Passing Dimes is over the moon to partner with Betstamp. Betstamp is a mobile app in the sports betting space that shows you the odds from every sports book in one spot. Do you enjoy betting on the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, World Cup, or more? With Betstamp, you can compare the best available odds at one sportsbook versus the worst odds at another sportsbook all in one place. Go to the App Store today and download Betstamp for free and use code DIMES. That's D-I-M-E-S. For a limited time, Betstamp is offering you, a friend of the show, an opportunity to learn more about Betstamp and several sportsbooks where you can get an edge in online sports betting. Message the Passing Dimes Instagram or Facebook account for more information. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest, and I don't say that lightly because I believe it's his sixth time on the show, if you count Sharp Cuts, which eh, I don't know if we do, but it's his second time on Passing Dimes, the the poster child of the franchise, and Garrett may would admit to that. So today's guest is a returner, and he grew up playing for the Chatham Ballhawks, LVC. He went on to play for the Windsor Lancers, where he got them to a national championship berth, was OUA Player of the Year. He went on to play pro indoor in Estonia and Portugal, and he's also been on the beach national team. Please welcome back to the show, Pierce Johnson. Pierce, thanks for doing this, man. Oh, thanks for having me on. You know, I'm a big fan of the show, as you can tell, <laughs> six, six times. So definitely, uh, definitely enjoy being here. Yeah, if we ever do get merch, you'll be the first guy. So uh, since your last Passing Dimes interview, I don't think we got into it. Uh, you gave the beach a shot. And I think you, Jordan Canham, uh, Mateus Woldarski, like I think you guys are poster boys of if you're a good volleyball player, you can play indoor beach because I think sometimes the beach community can be a little snobby saying, oh, this guy didn't grow up playing beach or he didn't you know, play since 14. You will never figure it out. But uh, you definitely figured it out this summer. I'm, I'm curious, what made you want to try the beach game? Yeah, so obviously being in Windsor, I had guys like Adam Child on my team who were big beach guys, same with Roland Bouchard. So down there, we'd always play beach in the summer just kind of for fun going to a tournament. But I never actually like played or trained like with intent. It was, you know, have a drink, play some beach. Um, but I, when I was overseas in Estonia this year, or I guess last year, sorry now, um, it was a real crap show over there and um i needed a break from indoor and i was talking to john child adam's dad and i'm just like yeah i need a break from indoor um he's like oh like you should come out to the beach you know they do the summer program trials in may and you know i think it'll be a good experience for you i'm like never even thought about that before so i ended up messaging you um about a month before the trials and then came to the trials had a good time made the full-time team and then moved up to toronto for the summer and it was an it was interesting because how how similar the training is, but how different it was too. Because you're training against guys you're competing against every day, and it's it was it's really interesting. Cause you'd always say like you were really good with it as like early on for the first you know like um, start of May, June, July. It's like okay, we can be a little more friendly in practice, and like you know we're helping each other out. Um, but like when it gets into August, that's where it's kind of like, you're still like, you want other guys to do well, but you're, you're focused on yourself. So that was a big difference for me being on the beach this summer was playing with that. Cause like usually when you're in practice, like you're all on the same team with a guy, like you're not practicing with the other team. Um, so you're always helping guys when, when they need it and like you're getting help. Whereas like you don't have that for beach, which is interesting. 
For sure. For sure. And one example that it reminds me of is uh, the, the next gen guys were around the summer guys a lot. And Jake McNeil mentioned like when he was home, he enjoyed training with you. So I am curious with you, lack of a better term, being an indoor guy coming to the beach, like what are some things we can steal from the indoor environment? Because I think you had some professional habits already built in. You were a guy who could go hard in the drill without like having an ego about it. Like you need to get certain touches or you needed to win this drill. Like you were able to provide what the the learning objective was. So what was that like early on when a guy like Jake McNeil's like, Hey, like bring this guy around some more. I was interested at the start because it was, uh, within the first week or two, I remember I went to one of the, um, the full-time practices with you because one of the guys was missing and I was like, I was pretty nervous. I was like, cause I'm new to beach. So I'm nervous at the, um, the summer team practice because all these guys have played beach for most of their life besides obviously like the dude and a couple other guys that were new like me. But I'm in these practices and I'm like, I'm like, I'm the, I'm the new young guy. Like, I, I don't want to stay a lot, even though I was older than most of the, most of the guys in the summer program. Um, I felt the start that like, you know, I'm, I gotta be like, I gotta be like just learning like be more of like a fly on the wall, see what guys are doing and try to like emulate that. Um, but I kind of like, after talking to you a lot with the practices, like I found that like I ended up doing the opposite was. Yeah, I was learning from guys like even like Marcus Lawhees, who was 19. I think he turned 19 this summer. Um, I was learning from him all the time. Um, but also I was helping him in the other aspect of the game where it was the mental side of the game where um, we're saying with guys like my partner, Robbie Kemp, like he was helping me all the time, getting better at the actual game of beach volleyball. But I was more helping him overcome like the mental barriers of the game that I've been through over the last four or five years. Um, but I'll continue to go through those. Like it's not something that I've uh, perfected either. Even guys like Ben Stock go through that, like stuff like that. And he's in his forties now. Um, but definitely like going into those practices. Um, I found what helped me a lot from like indoor was just the, the drill is for the team, and you do, you do the drill right when you're indoor. It's kind of like I said earlier, where in beach you might like you see some guys like they're really like even though you're working with say like two other groups on like your court, you might want to like have it to like, you know, if it's a passing drill and you're serving for them, you might want to start amping up your serve. You're like, I'm working on my serve here. Well, that's not what the drill is for. The drill is for the passer. And even though that's not your team you're serving at, you need to get that, give them reps. And so it's, I found it wasn't hard for me from the start. Cause like, I just kind of treated it as, you know, we were all part of team Canada. Uh, we're all training together. Like we're all trying to get better. Um, now in August, the middle of August for nationals, if I didn't give someone a good serve and they were complaining, I didn't care. In July or June, I was going to give them another rep or give them if they wanted another rep, even if it wasn't a bad one. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like you, you want to get better here. Um, so I just kind of found that. And like, you, like, you know, this too, like the, the beach community is a, a well knit, like, community where like we don't have a lot of money we're not like the showtime of like brazil or any of those big countries for beach volleyball where we kind of have to help each other out right now because there's no there's nowhere else for us to go there's no other other resources for us to get for sure for sure now 
since you experienced it, what would you tell like a younger athlete? Because I think coming in with an attitude that you want to learn a lot and you want to give to the environment is really good, but that, that gets tested, right? Like you didn't come in and try to be a big shooter and say, you know, I was, I was player of the year. I've played for indoor Canada. I've played indoor pro. Like I'm going to do all these things. Like you came in with a good attitude and you weren't uh, afraid to make mistakes, but I'm wondering like, maybe there's a kid out there who's doing well at officer. Or they're the best player on their club team, but they don't know how to play beach. Like what advice would you give them to go into that environment? So they're not like, you know, on alert or feel threatened or feel like, Oh, I'm good at indoor. So I have to be good at this. Right. So to the last point of saying like, Oh, I have to be good at indoor. So I have to be good at beach volleyball. They are, I learned this summer. They're two completely different sports. They're, it's not even the same. Like sure. They both have the word volleyball. In it. It's you're not, you're not playing the same game. It's, it's a different touch, it's a different total style of, of, uh, of the game. So that's the first thing I'd say to that. And then also, I, from, the, from going through this whole summer of playing, I wish I started beach volleyball sooner. Um, now I'm lucky to have had this summer and now I can continue, um, you know, working my way into beach. And then obviously the goal is to, to end up there full time when, uh, whenever that is. But, um, definitely like as soon as you can get into beach and whether that's coaching, getting coached in like your local area or coming out, if you're at the age coming out to the summer team, the full time program, absolutely do it. Because it's even just going to the tryout was a interesting learning experience because I had only been to indoor tryouts before. I had actually never uh, formally been in a beach practice before um, before the tryout, and I, I did technically actually have to lie. I ran through a, a boot camp with John May for five days <laughs> leading up to the tryout, which was quite the experience. Uh, Marcus uh, Law he's joked with me that um, my first summer on the beach. I lived at, or I was, I stayed the night or lived at either John May's house, Marquise's house, or John Child's house. So <laughs> three pretty big names in beach volleyball. And so you know, for your first summer, you kind of hit all the, all the good coaches. And so, um, I, I, I was very fortunate this summer. It was awesome. Yeah, that's so cool to hear. And just for either coaches listening or younger players listening, or you know what, players of any age, I, I think sometimes in our sport, we divide learning and performing where you mentioned like as the summer progresses, like there was a big performance phase as we started to progress towards like provincial championships, nationals, things like that. Like as an athlete, do you like to separate those things or do you like to combine them? Because I think the way you're describing our, our group, I, I completely agree. We don't have the opportunity to play a domestic pro tour. We don't have the opportunity to go on tour as easily as the Europeans. So our practices are important because everyone needs to raise the level in their own way. So uh, I'm curious as an athlete, like how do you still learn and perform? Do they need to be separated in your opinion? Can we combine them? Like what's your uh, process right now? So the answer to that is yes and no, which is confusing because if you're always competing, you're just going to be drained out um, and you're going to get mentally fatigued. If you're doing that all year, it's not going to be good for your development and you're going to plateau. And I'm, I'm, I'm quoting some, someone here, and I apologize to the person who said this, but I, I can't remember their name. Um, it's a 30-30-30 rule when you're in practice. So uh, 30% of the time, you should feel like you're the worst athlete in the world because, because you can't do the sport you're a professional at. 30% of the time, you should feel like you're mediocre, like adequate at what you're doing. And 30% of the time, you should feel like you're an absolute legend and no one can touch you. And then 10% is um, variation between that and then competition where you're not worried about that other 90%. 
but I, that really resonated with me because there were so many times, especially the summer when I was learning a new skill and I couldn't get it. Like I remember I did one practice with Jake and I couldn't set Jake worth a damn because of the specific ball Jake likes. It's, it's the loopy, it's the high loopy ball to the pen. And setting wise, my footwork was off. My timing was off. My hands were off. I had really wide elbows. So like I was having like different releases and I couldn't, I couldn't find them. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so bad at this. The whole time Jake was off and he goes, he was just giving me feedback. He's like, Hey, you need to fix this. He would give me one piece of feedback and be like my feet. I'm like, okay. So the next set I'd have my feet done <laughs> properly. And then my hands were off. He goes, okay, feet were good. Now fix your hands. And slowly by slowly, like I think my last two sets of the whole practice where I gave him maybe, you know, 50 to 70 sets. Finally, I gave him two good sets at the end. And he was actually getting ready for a competition in, uh, I think it was Austria, where he was playing with uh, an American. Yeah, I think it was a Swiss pro event or something like that. Yeah. Swiss. Yeah, it was, it was in Switzerland. Yeah. And that's one thing that, um, why, like, I, I love Jake and he was so, like, fun to one play against, to play with, like, train with, was, was because of that. Like, he's getting ready for this big competition where he's flying out. It was either that night or the next morning. And he's helping me out because he knows I'm new to the beach and I, I don't know what I'm doing. So we like easily could have just got mad at me and been like, stop, stop playing bad. But he knew like that wasn't going to actually help me get better. So it's that, it's that kind of fine line of being in practice and like, okay, am I in practice to, to work on a skill that I'm working on to work on a new skill that this is where I'm going to be, I'm going to be bad at it. Or is it, okay, I'm, I'm going into this drill to win the drill and I'm not focusing on technique here. I'm not being like, okay, a reminder to like extend my platform, create the space. I'm just thinking of like, okay, like I'm, I'm in game mode now. How am I going to beat this guy? Like, are they, um, what like a defensive system are they setting up? Do they like, like this shot, that shot? And I'm not worried, really worried about technique. I'm worried about the game plan. Yeah, like where does your mind go in those stressful situations? Because we brought up Jake a couple times, but there was also a time where uh, Dan Deering was off a little bit and Sam still wanted to go and we threw you in with Shakhtar. And now you got to play with that guy where like uh, it's it's challenging. It can be a little intimidating, but it almost reminds me when we had Hillary Howe on the show when she first made the women's indoor team. You know, she sees coach Tom Black in the hallway and she's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just here to do whatever the team does. And Tom looks at her and goes, no. Like you're here to compete. And if you're not here to compete and think you should be starting, you're not helping us. So we don't want you around. So like, how did you get over that attitude where it's like, Oh, I'm just here to help Sam or Jake or whoever this guy is like, get what they need. No, we invited you by name because Jake needed a big blocker who plays this side or Sam needed a blocker to play with it. Like your name came up for a reason. How do you get over the concept of like, Oh, I'm lucky to be here versus like, I need to contribute to the environment. It was interesting. Like I got that, that week was interesting. Cause I went, one day with was the the Tuesday I went with Jake. The Wednesday Aaron was hurt, so I went with Liam. And then Thursday Friday I went with Sam. And it was just supposed to be the Thursday and Friday with Sam. And so each week I was playing with a guy with a lot of experience, has played on the beach, great defenders. And, and I was going into a lot of those practices like, okay, whatever they need, I'm gonna like I'm gonna work on my like what I need, but like whatever they need, I'm gonna like I'm gonna be like, okay, like they said this, I'm I'm gonna do that now. And I'm not going to like worry about giving them feedback because like, I don't know anything. And I, I, I went into a practice and I, I was, uh, I forget what happened, but it was, it was something where Sam, Sam, it was, I want to say it was like a set that was a little off. I'm in there. I tried to fix it. Couldn't. 
And I was like, oh, no worries, man, my bad. And he goes, no, it wasn't. He was, I was like, that was, that was on me. I was like, and he kind of like took me aside. He was like, just, just cause like I've been on the beach for this long. It's not going to help me if you're just like saying like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's good. He's like, I don't want you to like just criticize like, like everything just to criticize. But like, if you see something, I need you to tell me because we're playing together now. Like, we're for this practice for however long, which ended up being like two weeks. Like, we're partners. So I'm going to help you, but I need you to help me too. So that was really like, and I mean, I think everyone who's met Shakter knows he's an absolute legend. Like, he's down to earth. He's chill. Like, you wouldn't know he's this big shot volleyball player uh, if you just ran into him. So that was really cool for me. I just kind of from that day on was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like, and I started telling people like, um, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm training with Shakter, and they're like, oh my god, that's so cool, that's awesome, and he made it so like, um, like chill about that I was training with him that I made it chill, and then I was texting people like saying how cool, and they're saying how cool it was, and I was like, no, it really is cool that I'm getting to train with a guy that's you know played in the Olympics and been on the world tour for however many years. And I'm like, and that was my first reaction when you asked me to, to um, come to practice with him. I was like, I was like, kind of nervous. And then I lost the nervousness. And then because Sam allowed me to relax and be comfortable where I was training, which was really awesome. So it's one of those things where the players can create like a really good environment. Then it's good for all the players. And that's the same thing in for, for coaches as well is, they, if they create an environment where like you know mistakes are welcome, um, players can be who they are and like and be able to grow, then that's going to create the best chance for potential to grow. Now, if you had to think about it, where does your confidence come from? Like, are you a big self-talk guy or like, what's your mindset? Because what you're describing on the beach this summer, I don't think is an isolated incident. And the example I'll give is you're an OUA player of the year, but you know, let's just let's just be blunt because we're we're friends, and, and I think I can say this to you: Jory Mantha, Stephen Marr, Garrett May, like the other guys who have won Player of the Year. You could have said in their 16 year, like later on, that guy's going to be a top university player. And you know, I love you. I think at 16 year, we wouldn't have said Pierce Johnson is going to be OUA Player of the Year, right? So, where do you think your confidence comes from? Because I think you're not a guy who waits for it to happen. Like I think you go through tough experiences, and maybe that's where it pays off. But I kind of want to hear it in your own words. Like, how do you feel like you keep progressing and keep getting better? Because man, talent ID is so tricky. And, and as for every Stephen Marr example, there is, or there's probably a Pierce Johnson of a guy who didn't show well in the first couple of years, but man, a few years down the road, you're right there with them. Yeah. So, and I a hundred percent agree with that. Like even until like in my second year, like you could have maybe made an argument that like, um, Oh, he might, he might do well later on. Um, but still that would have been an early call. I think in a lot of coaches eyes, but my issue with when I was younger was, uh, you know, small town Chatham for the, for the people that know Chatham. Um, there's not a lot of coaching here. So I didn't, I didn't have those huge leaps and bounds that a lot of players get when they train, you know, in Ottawa or Toronto or London. And so, yeah, like, uh, the, the big, the big thing for me was always, uh, Hard work pays off. That was a big thing. Like I was, I was a big, big into um, uh, Matt Fraser. I think he was like an incredible athlete. Um, and I know a lot of people don't really respect CrossFit as a full sport, but him as a as a competitor was insane. And he was always like, I, I'm gonna do everything I can outside of the competition to ensure that when I go to the competition, I'm more prepared than the other person, and so I don't I don't have to worry about 
um, anything else. And so that was kind of my big thing was that I was like, okay, I don't have the coaching. I don't have, you know, the practices that these guys are having where like, you know, they're, they're playing against top guys in the province. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work my butt off. And then, you know, luckily from that, I met um, James Gravel at Windsor. He brought me under his wing and without him, I wouldn't have, uh, I would not have, I wouldn't be where I am today. Definitely. Um, still playing volleyball and chasing, chasing the dream, but it's one of those things. If even if you're dealt a bad hand, you can somewhat try to make a um, a better situation out of it. Just because there's always there's always a chance. Like yeah, if you if you grow up in the Northwest Territory, it's probably a little harder than uh, Chatham in the sense of location. But there's always a something you can do. Something you can do. Um, I was lucky in the sense that Chatham has a good high school volleyball. So I was able to stay competitive and be in competitive games throughout the high school season. Uh, now I would lose that during the OVA circuit. So I would have, uh, my team was usually stuck in tier two. And so, you know, when university coaches usually don't go to those, uh, which is tough, but, um, that's actually why I've started, uh, my online coaching business now because it's something I would have loved it when I was in 16U, 17U, 18U, even in the university, to have someone who's you know played high school, played club, played university, played overseas, and um, it's it's a way that that now I can give them all the tools that I've learned, um, even if they don't have access to access to it in their location, because it's all going to be online um, and virtual. So like uh, either you know biweekly meetings, weekly meetings and discussing the game and you can check it all like uh for any, anyone listening all the videos and um i, I post around my instagram of a uh, sportify official uh, it's kind of like spell like spotify but uh sport and then fy or sorry fi sorry um maybe might run some copyright infringements there hopefully <laughs> spotify doesn't sue me but my buddy had the idea for it and i was like oh that's a cool name we can run with that as long as I don't uh, get sued by them. Um, yeah, my whole thing is just kind of give kids opportunities to get the coaching and maximize their level of play wherever they are. Yeah, that's so cool. That was definitely on my list to talk to you about. I just have one more for you where what do you like to do in terms of goal setting? Like say you want to play university volleyball when you were younger, like, do you just set the long-term goal? Or are you more day-to-day guy? Like I, I like how you mentioned the hard work thing where like, uh, I think goal setting is so fascinating where some of us wait for confirmation to know we're on the path. And then like, I, I was listening to a Steve Nash podcast today. He got one NCAA scholarship offer and he's still like, yeah, I'm going to play in the NBA. Like he was so sure of himself and so positive where it's like, yeah. I think it, other people in that situation, maybe myself, like if I got one scholarship offer and it was to a smaller school, I'd be like, Oh, like, I don't think I'm going to make the NBA where he's just like, Oh, this is awesome. Like he's just so upbeat and willing to work for it. And things were going to work out for him so uh, i'm curious are you like a long-term guy are you a short-term guy or you just work hard every day like have you had to break down goal setting what works best for you well i think like everyone has like throughout your day everyone has those like oh like what if i made this like what if i you know for me it's like what if i could play in like these housing things like this one like for like the polish like one of the top leagues and i have those thoughts all the time it's like all right let's see a game and i'm like i want to play in that and, you know, young kids have that all the time. They're, like, watching the NBA. They're watching the World Cup right now. They're like, I, I want that. And that's really easy to say is you want that long-term goal. And it's like, well, okay, how do you do that? 
And it's like, you could break it down, uh, break it in half from there. It's like, well, you need to make a professional team. Okay, well, how do I get that? Okay, well, you need to now um, excel at the university level. And this is fucking volleyball now. Um, it's like, well, okay, if I'm, say, say 15 or 16, how do I get to university? Okay, well, now I need to, um, you know, play club and perform fairly well at club. Now that's not a must then. It's kind of like how I described uh, my grades in high school. It's like they don't start counting until grade 11. So like your grade nine and 10 year, they don't really count because universities aren't going to look at that. Um, now, if you're going to Harvard or something like that, they'll probably look at that stuff. But, you know, if you're going to any run-of-the-mill university in Canada, usually look at your grade 11 and most of your grade 12 marks. So it's kind of the same as club is. Until 17U, 18U, universities are still fairly open to taking players. Um, like I didn't sign into Windsor until February of my 18U year. Um, now, that might have been a little later than most guys, but usually that's when most most guys sign is like kind of like that in the winter there. Um, so it's, what I do is just kind of you break the goal down backwards from there is how do I do that? And then you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, how do I start for my club team when you're in 15 you 16 you? Okay, well, you got to look at yourself. Be like, are you the best passer in your team? No. Okay. That's something you can improve on. Uh, are you the best attacker? Maybe you are. You're like, okay, awesome. I'm a really good attacker on my team. Am I the best attacker in my city? If, if you live in like London and there's multiple clubs, um, am I the best attacker at the OBA tournament I'm at? No. Okay. Well, who is? What What are they doing? And then you watch them, and you're like, well, they have they have this shot that I don't have. So I'm going to go back to my club practice, and I'm going to work on that shot. Or you know, there's so many parts of the game where, for me, and it's, this is really recent when I started doing this, and uh, it's instead of just like thinking, I've been I've been more known to be more of a physical player now in university, but now when I go overseas, I'm only 6'4", so that's a lot harder for me to be physical when I'm playing against you guys in my position that are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". So I'm having to really focus on um, the defensive and, and reception part of my game. And instead of just like hammering home reps, I've been actually changing my technique because I realized I had a very ineffective um, technique that wasn't getting me good results where I ended up having to, I'm going to make up numbers here, but say if I was passing like a 70%, I had to go down to a 50% passing to change my, um, my platform and the way I was angling it um, in order to then get back up to an 80% because I changed everything. But to gain that 10% was massive because now I can pass Spencer's, you know, over 110 kilometers an hour more consistently. Um, I can keep, um, base when I'm forearm passing floaters, when I'm hand passing floaters, I'm actually stable. I'm not off balance reaching outside my body. And what this has allowed me to do is actually get better contracts now. Um, and so those, that's a lot of things that like I've learned this fairly quickly, but like that's hard for me to do at 24 because I have all these like thousands of hours of reps of doing it the other way. Whereas with the young kids, it's really important to them that if you teach them the 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 new ways, they if you're a club coach listening to this, um, a lot of club coaches want to win the first term of the year to move up to premier, or you know if they're in premier, they want to win it to like you know like be like we're the best, we're like you know we medal the premier. Um, really, those tournaments don't matter. The only tournament that matters if if it really matters to you is provincials or nationals. So that's 
seven months away. So what a lot of coaches should be doing is taking their team, realizing their deficiencies, and hammering those home, and using the first two tournaments to work on those deficiencies, and being okay with losing some games when you know if you're working on um, uh, passing outside the midline, if a kid on match point faces the body pr- perfectly, um, keeps keeps proper spacing between their body and the arms, angles it properly, and then you know it just shanks off the forearm and they lose the game. If that's me as a coach, I'm gonna go up to that kid and be like, "That was awesome. You you did everything we did in practice, and it just didn't work out. That's that's sport that happens. And with more reps, it's gonna not happen because you know the one thing you didn't do there was you didn't stay low and bend your knee, and so you so you're you're straight legged, and then you couldn't adjust the ball, and that's why you ended up getting these. But you did so many other things right that we're working on, and now you probably won't do that again. Um, you won't do that straight leg thing again because it happened in a game and it's so like resonated resonated in you. And so that's like a big thing I'm I'm teaching here is um, allowing kids to make mistakes as long as they're making the right mistake with the right intention. You know, if they're just not going through the motions and just doing like silly stuff, then that's a different conversation to be had. But as long as they're wanting to get better and wanting to listen and do the right things and you, you can never get mad at a kid to do that and I walk into so many gyms especially when I'm home or you know I'm visiting places and coaches are yelling at kids and they're like you know, like this that and I can just see like they're all defeated they're just they're like oh I don't want to be here you know I hate this game um, and it's just it's just hard to see so like I'm trying to kind of have the other side of it where like, I've had the bad coaches where I wanted to quit ball, even volleyball like I almost stopped playing because I've had those bad coaches but I've also had so many good coaches that um, have like made the flips to that. Where it's like, I want to be that good coach to those kids and like you know share the game and share my experiences so that they can still have those mistakes that I made, but they're just going to go through growing pains a little sooner. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, just uh, looking at your career and the way you see the game, definitely it's a great service you're doing for the community and you're, you're more than qualified. So just take me through the logistics here. Cause uh, I know you gave your, your quick pitch there. Let's drive into the weeds here. So first of all, let's just talk about the athlete experience and the logistics. So you can offer uh, basically one-on-one coaching, right? So the kid signs up, they'll meet with you. I think you said weekly, like they probably have a chance to share video. Like I, I think it's a great idea because uh, I, I think the, the reason certain high schools or certain clubs are always so competitive is just regionally there's a good coach in that and where you're breaking down the barrier that you don't have to be from a certain area to get this experience now, right? So uh, just one more time, let, let's go for layers here. I'm an athlete. Uh, I email you to sign up for the service. What happens next? Yeah, so I'm going to email you back, um, you know, ask a bunch of questions like, you know, uh, how long have you been playing the game, where you're from, and then I'm going to show you a bunch of the packages that you can um, you can buy. So. There's, I sell individual and team and then also coaching packages, which is new because I was just talking with coaches in Chatham because um, the team wasn't interested in um, working with me, but the coach really wanted, he, like, he liked how I ran his practice. So he's like, okay, well, I want to hire you and I want to learn from you. And I'm like, okay, this is new. So this is, um, it's, 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 it's similar to the individual package for the player. You're just not, you're not working. I'm not dissecting how the coach coaches in a tournament, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking him to send me video of him coaching on the sideline. Um, so for the individual, uh, they'll, 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 um, they'll pick one of three packages and they range from 100 to $200. And 
how it works is um, for all of them, I dissect your video. I see, um, you know, if you're left side, you're passing, you're hitting, you're blocking. And week by week, we're going to work on different skills and different and bettering your techniques, whether it's your arm swing, um, your passing platform, your blocking, um, et cetera. And we're going to do a lot of things of comparing your video to professional players um, who are like like bodied to you. Now, if it's a 16-year-old girl, it's probably going to be a little hard to find uh, a similar like statured person in the women's Italian league to, to compare them to. But um, I can find a player in the position that plays uh, you know a small, a small ball game, like uh, she's a smaller left side. Um, needs to take care of the ball better, has good defense technique. And we're going to go kind of like clip by clip and see where the differences are, but also like where the similarities are, like so that I'm not getting rid of um, good tendencies either. So because that's a lot of players, like you'll see them, they'll do one thing really, really well, um, whether it's like a good platform or a good arm swing, but they're atrocious at everything else. And a lot of coaches, what they do when they want to like redo everything is they even redo that one skill that they're really good at. So for me, it's, it's just week by week going over. Um, so the first package goes, we, we meet bi-weekly, Zoom calls, and we're going over that. Um, I also help with recruiting. Um, with volleyball, it's yeah, a small community. I'm, I'm well, um, well-friended with a lot of you know, OUA coaches, OPAA coaches, um, where I'm able to get into contact with them and you know, say I'm working with an athlete. Um, and... By no means does that mean that athlete's going to get in, even if it's the university I went to. But it's a it's one step closer in the recruiting phase where they can get noticed. And I'm just kind of helping athletes bridge that gap from high school to university, um, or you know, like club to university, and then even university to pro. I don't have an age limit set or um, male or female or indoor to beach volleyball either. Um, now again, I'm newer to beach volleyball. Um, but you know, I learned a lot this summer. I'm still learning, um, and I'm just kind of excited to to work with everyone and with the with the team. It's going to be a little less individualized, um, and so those obviously run for a little more money because it's the whole team paying for it. So those run from 200 to 400, uh, but it'll be similar. It'll be group group Zoom call meetings where uh, we go over um, you know game execution plans of you know, like, hey, well, if you were in the Bronzeville game and you guys lost, like, what happened in that game? I'm going to go watch that game. Um, and then we're going to go hop on a Zoom call. We're going to go through all the all the good things they did, all the things that they kind of missed out on some points. And then um, I'm going to send the coach game plan or practice plan. And then whenever I'm home, like I am now, um, like for the chat on teams I'm working with, I'm able to pop in, actually run practices, help out with the coaches. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. I'm trying to think of who the quote belongs to. I think it's Marv Dumpy at Pepperdine where individuals never get tired of being treated as an individual, right? So you're just kind of boosting. Like as you're listening to this, club coaches shouldn't feel threatened. They should feel this as a boost because it's an extra eyes on the athlete. It's extra feedback. It's extra learning where, you know, if you do pride yourself on being athlete centered, this is a a perfect boost to the team. So uh, just on on one of your later comments there that you're also going to do this for coaches when I think of my own development and where my learning came from, like sure the certification and the courses are important, but I think it's going for dinner and talking to other coaches about volleyball. So if you don't have that, that network or that circle where you can just go casually and you talk about volleyball without being like 
judged or feel like you're being evaluated. Why did you do this? Like, I think that's where a lot of learning comes in coaching. So I think it's great that you can offer that. So uh, it's interesting that it wasn't part of your original plan, but you quickly picked it up. So what's uh, going into that layer? Because as a coach, like I said, that excites me because now I can talk like you're not going to rip apart my practice plan, but you might say, oh, like if that's the purpose of this drill, maybe you want to move this guy over here or do this, or maybe you want to try this. Like it's just adding and kind of increasing, like being a lifelong learner and curious and sharing ideas versus, like I said, when, when you're being evaluated, sometimes we get our backs up that we're, we're doing something wrong. Right. So this is just an extra layer that I think is really going to benefit the community. Yeah, definitely. And the, the reason that I like, came out of that was, um, like I said, I was working with, um, uh, a 16 year girls team who was interested and I went to one of the practices and the issue was just, you know, some of the parents didn't want to pay for it. And then the issue with that is, you know, well, some kids are paying for it. Some parents are paying for it. Then like, am I just going to coach those kids? Like, no, I'm going to still coach the team, team to benefit. And so the coach is like, listen, like I still, like, I think they're going to really benefit from this. Um, I do. I can't pay a team. Fee. Like, I'm like, I wouldn't ask you to pay a team. Fee. That's, that's insane. So then the, the thought popped in my head. I'm like, well, I could do this with coaches. And so um, the agreement I have with him now is we're we're agreeing on a price. So for those listening now, you can email, email me about this and we can talk about um, pricing with that. Um, depending on like even like what level your club is and like what kind of coaching you need, it can change from there and how much how much help you're going to want or need. Um, so that, that I haven't said this on yet, but it, in, in for me, it's huge too. Like, talking volleyball and just casually talking volleyball. Like we talk, we, me and you casually talk volleyball all the time. And it's really interesting, like hearing different perspectives. Like, like I was at a, a club practice here in Chatham and there's one coach who like, I'm very high on, like, she's awesome. Um, we were talking earlier about that, like before we started recording and she actually got rid of teams. She doesn't have her kids called teams anymore. And I was, and I was curious because I was helping out of practice and a ball went in between them. And I was like, hey guys, like call your teams. Like you have, you have to say like whose ball that is. And she pulled me aside. She's like, oh, we actually got rid of this team. And I was like, okay. Like immediately I went, terrible idea. Immediately I was like, terrible idea. And so I was like, why? And she's like, well, like they never go for it. Like even if it's their team, they never go for it. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, so what she's done now, and I, and this is what, we do at the professional level anyway, is we stack. So, you know, if your floats are passing, um, you know, one person, you never want them side to side. You want them kind of like one person in front of the other. So like if they, if they go completely um, horizontal across the court, they're not going to run into each other. And so how they do it is you put, you both have that team now. Now it's, if you can cut it off before the person behind you cuts it off, we want you to cut it off. But then you have the person staging it behind them. And I went, and then their actual passing got a lot better. The numbers went up. And it was, and that's to me a more of a mental thing with that specific group, getting rid of the teams that make sense. But I was like, I was interested that I'm like, and like, and she, and she keeps track of all the stats. And I think their passing went from a 23% to a 31. And I'm like, numbers don't lie clearly, but I'm like, I would like to see the game film and see like, you know, if it's actually that helping or what, but I was like, Hey, if it's working for your team, that's awesome. Would I teach all my athletes that or all my coaches that? Absolutely not. But I did like that. She realized what they were doing wasn't working and tried something new. 
For sure. Like the, the way you're explaining it, I love it because I think when we get aced in the seam, that's a team point. It's not my ball or it was your ball. It's we got just got scored on and that's a problem. And yeah, usually the conversation does go to the seam where you're right. If we both felt like we were green lit to go for that ball, that's going to be less of a problem. So uh, I think that's awesome because the conversations that are going to come up with you and the other coaches is I don't think there is a right and wrong. Like, I don't think I could take Dave Preston's practice plan and run a Mac practice with a club team and like get the same results. Right. Because you don't know the why or the, the periodization or what's gone into that. Right. So you can't just copycat coaching. You got to figure out what's going to work in your gym. So uh, I just think these conversations and these, this idea sharing is just going to be so beneficial for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, like, like, uh, Monday night, so two days ago. I'm not sure when this episode is getting released, but <laughs> I'll give you a date. On the on the 21st, I was at a practice. And it, I went to an 18 year old's practice, and that was the team that was doing the no team. Um, and small small team, not a lot of firepower. They have one tall girl who's six one. Then I go to a 16 year old's practice right after that. They have three girls over six one. They have a six four girl, a six two girl, and a six one girl. And I'm like, interesting. So two years younger, they have a, a much more physical team, much taller. And I'm like, I'm having to coach these groups totally differently now. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is, and it's, and it's a younger group. So I thought I was actually going to have to uh, do even more defensive stuff because they're going to, they're not going to have the physical power. I'm like, oh, I actually have to kind of, as much as the defensive stuff is important, I'm like, I need to teach these girls, one, how to control their bodies, how to hit properly. because you know, they're all going through this growing pain. Imagine being a 16-year-old girl, 6'4". Um, most of them just just got up that tall within the last like year. So they've grown 6 inches, 7 inches. Um, they don't have proper footwork. They're not using proper arm swing mechanics. And so we can't even like think about actually playing volleyball yet. We have to worry about um, how to move their body properly, which is a, what a, a lot of athletes have problems with. Yeah, this, this is great. So we kind of talked about it like the... The geography barrier isn't there. Thanks to the magic of the internet, they can share video. They can hop on calls with you. Like it's extremely accessible. And it sounds like you're covering all the bases, right? You can do it as an individual. If you're really keen, you can get your team to sign up and you'll do team talks. If the coach wants to have a conversation, like it sounds like you've got everything covered except for parents, which is maybe a tricky thing to get into. So we'll just stick to the expert technical tactical stuff, right? Yeah. The parents, I know uh, from my old club days, it's hard to get all the parents on board on one thing. Um, another thing I am offering to for the for my first year in this is um, the dad I'm, the son I'm working with now. One player, he's an 18U, and the dad's worried because he's a local guy. And he's like, "Well, what happens when you go overseas? Because I'm probably going to go back overseas soon." And he goes, "What happens when you're not when you're not around Chatham and can't practice?" I'm like, "Well, the whole point of me starting this is actually to like not be here. It's just kind of like an added bonus that I can you know be working with him right now, um, but." If the the first month when I'm away, if uh, you know they're not liking the the programming I'm giving, if you're not happy with the results you're getting, if any of that, then that month is free. That's no blood there. No, there's no like hard feelings about it either. You're always welcome back after that. Also, but I I, I just know sometimes you can sign up for something and not love it. It's not for you. You're not getting what you want out of it. So. Uh, any any first time athletes, um, your your first month um, is is not free. It's going to be free if you're not liking the results you get. Now, if you want to continue to go, obviously you you pay for the first month. 
Um, now, yeah, I may run into some people that want one month of free training and just say, I'm not, it's not for me. But I think I'm confident enough in my coaching that I'm going to get people hooked and realize that they have so much more to grow with because you can't coach anyone within a month, right? It's, even I'm not going to, like, I have so much more to learn and all the things I have yet to learn. I can't learn that in a month, even if I spend every second of every day on it. So um, that's, that's the one thing I'm going to like reassure with people that like, even though I am charging um, a little bit more money than they might think for like a gym membership or something like that is um, I'm giving knowledge that not a lot of people have. And so, and giving like time and, you know, dissecting video. So that's kind of where that figure is coming from. I'm not just kind of making it up um, just to make money. It's, it is based on my experience. Well, man, this is this is awesome. So the information will be in the show notes. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Pierce on Instagram, it's official Sportify. Uh, like I said, put that in the notes, and you're just an email away from just starting the conversation. I think whatever you want out of this, uh, it sounds like you're going to be available and willing to work with uh, athletes of all levels, coaches, teams of all levels. So it's a great thing that you're doing. And, and like I said, you're, you're more than qualified to do this because I think people look at your career now and go, Oh, that guy's so naturally gifted, man. You, you grinded and you put in the time and you love volleyball. And <laughs> I know this episode is probably going to be under an hour, but people need to realize we were probably talking for an hour before this too. So, and, and that's why you've been on sharp cuts like four or five times. Cause you're always just willing to talk the game and, and share ideas. So thanks for coming on today and, and, and doing all that you did. But uh, yeah, the information, if anyone's interested, is it just in the show notes and hopefully reach out to Pierce and get this thing going. No, and thanks for having me on here. This is awesome. Um, definitely. Uh, we'd love to get this thing going, just help out kids. So uh, if anyone listening, definitely give me a, give me a message. And, you know, even if it's uh, something you're not interested in, but want to want to give me a chat, just let me know.